0: Welcome to the Digital Profits Podcast, where you'll learn how to grow your business faster using paid traffic and SEO. Each episode will feature a breakdown of digital marketing trends and answers to your burning questions that will provide actionable takeaways to make your marketing better. So join us, Ben Page, Ray Saubel, and Blake John, as we guide you on your journey to higher profits. Remember to join the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com and get ready to profit in three... Two, one. Hey everyone, Ben here. I'm joined by Ray. Hello. And Blake. Hey squad. And we are super pumped about this topic because it's super relevant to this time of the year. Ray, what is our breakdown for today?
1: Ben, that's such a great question. Today we are talking about how to budget for PPC and SEO. In 2023 and in general.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. We wanted to kick off the breakdown by talking about some of the big picture principles that we would use and that we do use to guide clients on how to think about setting a budget in these areas or in their marketing in general. Guys, maybe you'll agree with me. I think that the goal of any marketing budget is to provide the best return on investment using at least this is how I think of it, using any combination of factors we can influence. Usually that would be tools, different media, different channels, humans, etc. Whether they're in-house or agency side, just thinking about what's the best sort of combination of people and resources to provide the maximum output for that investment. But big picture, right? We're in this interesting sort of economic climate, I think, on the table for a lot of brands, a lot of advertisers right now is how do we make our marketing dollar work harder for us? And in some cases, people may be faced with budget cuts. So I don't know if you are responsible for setting the budget yourself or if you have perhaps inherited a budget or a directive for the year. Those You've are got fun. some. right? You've got some maybe tough decisions uh, in front of you. We hope that this episode will give you some principles to kind of cut through the complexity and make this process. Much simpler and smoother. So, one of the first things that we do in our process when we begin working on SEO or paid traffic accounts is we try to minimize and eliminate waste. Um, or, from I draw from that like lean manufacturing philosophy and that idea of Muda, right? That idea of waste. So, where is there little hidden areas of waste all over the marketing budget uh, and how can we get rid of it? as quickly as possible. Ultimately, the way that you eliminate waste is you focus on your best possible customer. And sometimes you have to take that further and focus on your best possible product as well. So sort of a, an 80-20 analysis. Ray and Blake, do you guys have any thoughts on, on kind of this philosophy or big picture
1: Yep. I mean, the way that I tend to think about it is if we can eliminate waste in the first 60 to 90 days of an engagement, that's really going to pay for like the partnership if you partner with us. But just in general, when you think of your marketing partner, if you're able to eliminate waste right away, it's going to lead to trimming the fat and then leading to growth down the line. That's the way I tend to think about it when it comes to eliminating waste.
0: Yeah. And so we're at this stage like doing some kind of analysis on input and output uh, and knowing that Not all resources are created equal and not all outputs are equal. Oftentimes, there can be situations where some marketing channel or tactic or partnership provides an outsized return. And wherever possible, you want to double down on those opportunities and you want to get rid of investments that are not serving you. But again, kind of zooming out to that big picture, when you're thinking about framing a marketing budget, it needs to be in the context of the business model and the economics. And I would argue, The cost to acquire a customer is one of the most important things to know and understand, even if you knew that. Like, let's say we know that we can pay $500 to acquire a new customer. Usually, you want to frame that with a lifetime value metric as well. Um, And you're usually shooting for some kind of healthy ratio of lifetime value to cost to acquire a customer. So that baked into the model of acquisition is a sense of sustainability. So. That's one interesting aspect of these budgeting discussions. A second one is cash flow. And this is especially important when you are using or relying on paid acquisition, is that you could have a very sustainable CAC to LTV ratio. Maybe you're getting a five to one, for instance, like $5,000 lifetime value, $500 cost to acquire customer. That's a 10 to one ratio. However, let's say your business model is a recurring revenue model. And it takes you 24 months to recoup that cost to acquire that customer. You're going to have to wait for an extended period to have cash on hand to reinvest in a paid acquisition unless you have another source of funding. So I think the last big picture thing I'll say to kind of frame this discussion is that in general, channels are enabled or disabled by your CAC. In other words, if it's, you know, that $500 example again, Something like perhaps paid search might be a good fit or Facebook ads or SEO or any of these channels that you might evaluate could be a good fit, but it might rule out broad television advertising, depending on your model, right? So, Blake, I think you drug up this interesting stat about from Bright Edge. Do you want to uh, list that stat, explain what it is?
2: Yeah, so... The stat from Bright Edge, it's it's compelling, right? 68% of all online experiences begin with a search engine. So that means anytime anybody goes onto their phone, goes onto their computer, whatever it might be, they're usually starting with Google. You can also start obviously with Bing and Yahoo, but most of the time they're starting with Google um, and they're searching for obviously products and services and um, answers to their questions. It's over two thirds of all just digital experiences begin with Google or Yahoo or Bing or some other search engine. That's wild. Now,
0: Blake, I, I've got a little bit of a hot take here I'm going to throw into the mix. I wrote a blog about a year ago that said, is paid search the most durable digital marketing channel in existence? Uh, and based on this stat, I think there is a strong argument
2: for that being the case.
1: Do you agree or disagree? There's no way Blake is going to say yes to that. There's no <laughs> way.
2: I was going to say, you're asking the wrong guy. I think um, I can definitely see the angle there and why paid search would be one of the most durable, but I think organically, right? Like you can turn off organic dollars, you can stop budgeting for SEO, and everything that you've done in the past can still bring value and like it's resilient in that way. Whereas paid ads, if you stop, if you just cut your allocation, budget allocation for paid ads, well then there's they're not serving you anymore, right? Because there's no more dollars there to to earn that top ad spot. But SEO on the other hand, it's it's kind of the opposite. So I would say (laughs) my my personal opinion is that SEO is probably one of the most durable uh, marketing
0: channels.
1: Disgusting. Well, I,
0: okay. here's a counter argument for why you need to do both, I think. In most cases, right, if, if you've kind of passed those initial checks that we talked about for cost to acquire and, and so on, not only do we have the, the length of time that paid and organic search have persisted, I think the, one of the principal challenges, though, is the amount of organic real estate is shrinking over time, right on average. And depending on the SERP, right in the, the nature of the query, but for many transactional or, you know, commercial intent queries over time, the search engines even because of their business models are incentivized to commercialize more of that SERP. And so you turn off paid, you know, you, you make an investment in organic and oftentimes if done well, that's a fruitful long-term investment with on gain potential in some scenarios. Um, However, as a kind of hedge to the risk of diminishing organic SERP visibility, you
1: almost need to do both. That's the beautiful, like harmonious answer that needs to happen. You just got to do both together and do them (laughs) well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Like the organic landscape, the real estate that you can actually earn organically is shrinking. Like, it seems almost every single day there's less and less um, real estate. And it it really, it pains me to say, it makes my heart ache. But yeah, they're both high value channels, obviously. And again, over two thirds of people, like that's where all the eyeballs are. That's why there's so much value in these channels.
0: Yep. And the key in in either case is to have beachfront condos in the SERP, not swampland.
2: Page eight, right? Page Page two, really. Page eight
0: wastelands or, you know, the wrong queries. But circling back to this, this topic for today, right? Blake, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, thinking about budgeting for SEO, you know, this year or generally, should I do SEO myself? Should I hire in-house resources to do this? Or should I partner up with an agency?
2: Yeah. It's a great question. And it's, it's one that we get all the time. I see it often, honestly, in like SEO forums and I've, I've heard it from like potential clients as well. Um, And I think there's pros and cons to weigh from each, whether you want to DIY it, whether you want to do it in house or whether you want to do it in an agency. And I want to mention right off the top, that DIY is not free. Thank you for saying that there is a sort of opportunity cost involved. And then there's a real monetary cost involved as well. So to do SEO on your own, you have to dedicate man hours and time to to learn it, really. Like if you want to have an ROI, you're probably looking out to 6 to 12 months of just learning it and getting the base knowledge. Um, so that's a lot of time you have to invest, whether it's going to do it re- quite literally yourself or what you're just going to turn one of your marketing uh, employees into the SEO guy or gal. You're probably looking at about 6 to 12 months just for them or yourself to learn it. The other thing too is, that, like I mentioned, the opportunity cost. If you're doing it on your own, you're probably not focusing on what you really are good at. And that can pull you away from other aspects of the business, whether it's, you know, customer service or sales or just whatever your wheelhouse is, well, you're spending some of that time now on SEO and learning it. Um, So the do-it-yourself method, you know, if you want to take that route, I commend you. I know know the pains of learning SEO. It takes a lot of time and energy and you really have to hone in. Um, But truthfully, it's not one that I recommend just because there is so much time involved in doing that. If you want to hire in-house, this is interesting. It's true. It's actually one of the more expensive options, right? Because you're taking on an employee now. And most often you're probably taking on more than one employee to really do this, right? Because you have to, if you're going to hire internally, if you're going to say, create an SEO branch on your team, you kind of need like a support network. You really need like a team to make that happen. The big pro of hiring in-house is that now you have somebody or a group of people who are completely dedicated to you and your craft and they know your business and that's the best benefit possibly of hiring in house so then that's a lot of times why people go that direction and why businesses make that choice finding an agency on the other hand you get a team of experts so you're obviously not hiring that in. it, it is truthfully the middle of the road option in terms of um, just how much it costs right and we're talking we're obviously we're talking about budget so if you compare finding an agency versus um, hiring it's could be a third of the price or even less uh, it could be a 10 10% of the price of hiring internally. And Blake, can we talk really
0: quick about why that might be the case? In my, in my mind I'm thinking about if you're building and budgeting for your SEO dream team this year, what are the functional kind of roles that need to live on that team to make it a hit? You know, and then that can kind of inform too part of this decision on that in-house hiring versus you know, agency
2: side? That's a great question. I think, so there's really two aspects, two types of, two roles that you need to fill. You need a technical expert who can make sure that your site is technically sound, that it makes sure that we're not running into errors. And if you run into like a technical fire and you have someone who can put that out essentially, because that happens often. Uh, the other part is like an editorial team or person who can do the research, do the, like put together the strategy and then write the content and build content that's going to rank for search engines. So you really need probably two people, unless you find a a little bit of a unicorn who's out there trying to find that um, in-house role. And they do exist. There, there are some people out there, but truthfully, most of them are at agencies. And so there, there's really at least two people. And then you probably need a manager, right? A third person to manage those people who understand what they're being held accountable for and can keep them growing in the right direction and kind of make sure everyone is aligned.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. And I agree. I think one of the risks, right, to the in-house route is if you don't have a lot of existing institutional knowledge around SEO, around paid traffic, it could be more challenging maybe to hold that group accountable and to really align on a strategy and have clarity in a strategy based on the resources at hand that will actually produce results in the mid to long term. Yeah, that's super interesting. And so you've got this idea of editorial team kind of a technical role, I would argue, like that analysis strategy component. Yeah, all need to be accounted for. Interesting. So Blake, what about some of the cons of these different models as well?
2: Yeah. So one of the bigger cons specifically for finding an agency, and I've heard this from clients, is that it can feel like you're one of many clients. In some cases, it's true. One analyst that you might be working with, maybe they have seven or eight clients, you know, that they're managing five to six clients, whatever it might be. The other thing too is, (laughs) and this is true in the world of just digital marketing, but there's a lot of really shady agencies out there who make false promises and try and overpromise and under deliver. And so a lot of times people have been burnt and it kind of pushes them to the path of hiring internally, which can be tough and it puts a bad name out there for some of us, but it is a reality. Um, and then lastly, they may not be experts in your niche, which is again, why you might want to hire an in, in-house because you can really find somebody who um, knows your craft or at least coach them up to make sure that they know your business and your business model. On the other side of that though, um, when you're working with an agency, there's a lot more flexibility. And really the biggest con or excuse me, the biggest pro is that when you're working in an agency, it's, you get a team of experts. You, it's not just one talking head. Um, it's usually three, four people who have five to ten years of experience or more, right? Who are really are dedicated to your organic initiative?
1: Yeah,
0: and so one principle that comes to mind for me is: as budget increases, you may think about going from more general to more specialization uh, in terms of roles and team, or even agency, right? Maybe at first it's uh, looking at a general digital marketing agency, but then as your your needs dictate or your budget allows, you're looking at a more deeply specialized team or partner and then kind of drilling down and saying, all right, now who's the specialized partner that has experience in my niche? And that can be a great option for folks. Blake, how do you budget for an impactful SEO program?
2: Yeah, this is an interesting question. And there's a lot to consider, right? Because you have to take into account your business size, the competition Um, What kind of projects you're trying to do? What kind of goals you have? Um, And then current performance is also big. Like, I, you know, sometimes clients come to us and they're spiraling, right? Like, we've lost 60% of traffic in the last quarter. Like, what's going on? Like, that's going to change things drastically. So um, you might need to pour more resources into it, or you just might need to find a more quality agency or, or team to help you manage that. So there's really a lot to consider. And the one thing that I wanted to mention, and this is... Another stat, this one's actually from Ahrefs, but approximately 28% of all North American SEO agencies charge between $2,500 to $5,000 for a monthly retainer. And I think that kind of puts the into perspective, like what you really need to budget to make sure you're getting a quality agency. Like that 2.5 to 5K number is really like sort of the wheelhouse. And in my experience, it's where a lot of agencies land as well. So- the other thing that I wanted to mention, the cost of cheap SEO um, can be drastic. If you are working with an agency who maybe they don't really know what they're doing, or maybe they're they're working in black hat practices, you can really dig yourself a hole. At worst, you could get hit with a, a Google penalty that could truthfully be a, like a death sentence for a digital business. Yeah. Um, so you want to make sure that you're finding a quality agency and you want to sort of like thinking about it longer term, think about that annual budget and cutting it down to a monthly retainer. 2.5K to 5K is like a good range to sort of budget for an SEO uh, engagement. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the thought, the mindset behind that, I think, is this is a long-term investment in our growth and development. Right. So that's a good thing. I'm curious about what the other 72% of North American SEO agencies charge. Maybe we could dig up some more stats and throw it on the profit squad. You know, Blake, I mean, what are some of the most high leverage SEO activities that You can possibly do what like regardless of who's doing these things you know what's actually going to move the needle for you if you're just sort of thinking about this for the first time
2: yeah if you're thinking about it for the first time really the most important thing that you can do is just make sure that your site is crawlable and accessible to search engines and it's an extremely basic tip but i've seen examples where sites are quite literally no index and they you're telling essentially google to not show your site on in search um, so you want to make sure that it's accessible and indexable by Google. That's the absolute most basic tip. And if, again, if you're thinking about it for the first time, it really does apply to you. But you also want to make sure you have good measurement. I think that's it's underserved truthfully within SEO is like making sure you have good measurement KPIs. Specifically, you want to set up Google Analytics, Google Search Console so you can track performance and make sure that you have goals and events configured. Uh, the last thing and kind of this kind of gets to more of the editorial thing, editorial aspect of things. Um, But you want to perform keyword research and understanding specifically what search terms your audience is querying in Google um, and how you can reach them and target them through content of your own. So you want to understand specifically the intent of the user search if they're trying to purchase a product or maybe they're trying to learn more about a specific topic, whatever it is. You want to be able to meet their intent through high quality content and that you uh, target keywords through. Yeah, I love that. And it, it speaks
0: to the need to develop a sort of roadmap or a plan. And usually with SEO, these are longer term plans, three, six, 12 month plans on average. And that's sort of a, a hedge to some of the cons that we were talking about before. If you go that agency route and potentially even in-house, right? I think what you don't want to do when you begin an SEO initiative or think about budgeting for this year is sort of just wing it. And kind of month to month, you know, you're kind of taking pop shots at the dartboard and hoping that something sticks because when you're building this roadmap, it should ladder up to a business case, right? And and that kind of commercial intent, user needs in general, so that it can actually move the needle for the business and produce results in terms of qualified traffic, revenue, sales, et cetera. Ray, I'd love to kind of talk about this budgeting principles for paid traffic. Yeah, For PPC, I'll just say that if you're beginning this for the first time, do your research first. Obsess over the pillars of paid traffic uh, that we preach, data, targeting, creative structure. Put some risk mitigation in place, things like automated rules to prevent runaway keywords or ads or campaigns from spending a ton of budget with no results to show for it.
1: Yeah. And just to zoom in on that one really quick, if yeah. you don't have rules in place, you're going to have a bad time. Like you're going to waste your budget. Yep. So that's just extremely important to have, because if you don't have that, if you don't have those guardrails in place, you're going to be burning cash.
0: Absolutely. And when you're budgeting for this, think about both the team, the humans that will manage the campaigns as well as the actual media spend costs costs that are paid to platforms like Google and, and others. And ultimately, work backwards from your CAC. I think that's key. So again, if you have that $500 cost to acquire a customer, do your research, determine what channels and tactics can fit your CAC number. And we'll have some tools in the profit squad to help you do that working backwards from CAC exercise.
1: Yep, and to add on to that, if you're optimizing for a CPA or a ROAS, that's really just scratching the surface as to like what you can ultimately be unlocking. So, having CAC or even profitability other metrics like that is extremely important when optimizing your paid ad campaigns.
0: Yeah, so adding going beyond the cost per conversion or the return on ad spend number, layering in gross margins in the case of e-commerce or layering in your sort of sales pipeline stages, marketing qualified, sales qualified, closed deals, metrics, in the case of lead generation, advertisers. That can give you a deeper level of intelligence that can unlock profitability, sometimes for the first time we see. You know, Ray, let's suppose that folks already are running on some level. They're running Google Ads currently, Facebook, etc., what are some signs of opportunity in the ad platforms? We, we talked earlier about first eliminate waste, but how do you double down on the areas that are working well?
1: The first thing to understand is that Google tries to do this for you by giving you something called optimization score or recommendations. Take that with a big grain of salt because you're going to see within the ad accounts where Google says, change your bid strategy or increase your budget by 300% and you're going to get 500% more conversions. Take all of that with a grain of salt before you start because that's going to look like an obvious place where you can expand upon your campaigns, but it's it's not really true in a lot of cases. So I think it's really important to not look to that area just by increasing your budget to, to scale things. But Blake kind of hit on this too, and conversion tracking needs to be set up properly within your accounts because if it is, if the measurement side is not accurate, you're going to be optimizing for goals that just aren't aren't real. So, assuming that things are accurate, the way that I tend to look at things is what campaigns are limited by budget today that are hitting my goal. So, if I have a campaign that is hitting a key KPI, 5x ROAS, whatever. If it's dominating, right? So, yeah. if it's doing so well and it's limited by budget, sorry, Blake, but I can pour as much fuel on that fire as I would like to and I can just like, you know, scale that as much as I can. So, that's like one area where if something is working really well, you can scale it.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I think about that too. And there's a metric in Google Ads, absolute top impression share loss due to rank and due to budget. So if you have like race at a campaign that's currently converting at your target, your goal, if there's any lost impression share due to budget, usually you wanna add budget first. And if you hit that point, like if you max out your budget on that campaign and you're still hitting your goal for ROAS, for cost per lead, et cetera, then you might want to get more aggressive in your bidding. But we'll have some more thoughts on this in the profit squad as well for people. So, you know, Ray, I think if you're, let's say you're knocking out of the park, you're kind of mopping up on all that low, bottom of the funnel, high intent traffic, and let's say Google ads, one of the things you can do is you can add platforms. That's one. The other is you can kind of go up funnel. So you can go from that high intent search to, a mid or an upper funnel search, uh, but then eventually progressing to a Pmax or performance max, that is, or display or YouTube.
1: Yeah, you definitely cannot ignore those discovery platforms. So if you are dominating bottom of funnel, don't ignore middle and upper funnel because there are ways where you can have other channels perform based on the interest that you're generating from these other strategies. That's
0: so interesting. So on that, if we invert this line of inquiry about how do we double down on winners, how do we spot losers? Usually, almost without fail, I've audited a few hundred accounts, I would say, at this point. Within an hour, you can usually find 10 to 50% of budget in the last 30, 60, 90 days that is waste. What are the things that you look out for if you're doing this sort of audit?
1: Yep. So the first thing you should do like right now if you have an ads account is go into your Google Ads account sort by cost descending at the campaign ad group and keyword level and find the top spenders that are not generating a conversion based on what you find you can drill down to the search term level you can look at keyword match type you can find the exact keywords that are not performing for you and adjust from there. So that's like the first thing you can do and all this will be available for the squad on on the profit squad. So make sure you uh, sign up and check it from there. But on the other side of it, if you do have campaigns, keywords and ad groups that are performing for you, but the KPI is not performing. So if your CPA is really high or your ROAS is really low, you can filter by those campaigns and almost do like an intent analysis to find out why isn't this search term performing as well as it could. So there's a bunch of different things that you can look at, whether it's audience, campaign settings, there's going to be some major bombs inside campaign settings that can just blow up your account, like seriously. So look into that because things like location settings, Google makes it really easy for you to burn through a lot of cash if you don't know what you're doing. So there could be a couple of really quick fixes from a campaign setting standpoint, but then some more technical fixes as you get into keyword analysis or ad copy analysis. There's a lot of different things you can do from that standpoint, which kind of goes back to our pillars like you were talking about, Ben. That's
0: awesome. All right, guys, let's jump into some Q&A. We've got two questions that we want to answer for today. Blake, the first one, I'm going to Kind of field to you first, so it's which is cheaper, SEO or PPC?
2: I don't think there's a specific answer. Truthfully, I think this kind of it's an, it depends really. Like uh, it depends on the market that's out there, really, honestly, um, and how much you're willing to spend on paid. Because like you said, you can just throw fi- you can throw uh, gasoline on the fire for paid and just keep going and going and going. But realistically, you could have a ten ROAS where you're you're making ten dollars for every dollar spent. So like at, from that perspective, maybe it's way cheaper. I think it goes back to the discussion we had earlier about how SEO can pay dividends a year, two years down the road. So maybe think about you optimized a page or a blog post or something last year. And just as an example, maybe it costs $2,000 to do that, just as, a, as an example. Um, well, that upfront cost could lead to quite literally $10,000, 20000 $100,000 in business revenue that pays off two years down the road. It is a, a real-life scenario that happens all the time. Um, so it's difficult to say. I think up front, SEO is probably cheaper. Um, I think it's also a little more of a black box um, <laughs> that people are afraid of, but you could make the argument for either side. Yeah. As stated, it's a little bit of a
0: troll question, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the example that comes to mind is the, the client where over summer, we created a comparison Content article, right? And now it's already up to what five figures of new revenue generated yeah. in kind of an untouched keyword space previously, which is super cool. Or I think if we, yeah, if we invert this question to like what's a better ROI, it's like, okay, it's like just a silly question. Yeah. But I think about usually you're going to trade volume and efficiency as a principle, right? So in SEO, like long tail keywords, super high, scalding hot intent lower volume on average same in paid search you can go broader you can do content marketing you can ray do some contextual targeting on GDN or run PMax you're going to get a lot more volume but in general you're going to trade conversion rate you know for that interesting but i think the yeah the principle is focus on intent and maximize investment in areas that are going to have the best ROI and conversion rates for you regardless of channel
2: yeah. I'll just add to that SEO can kind of, you can have a compounding effect on other channels because yeah. you can improve your website. You can improve the user experience through better content um, that might help paid search, or it might help referral traffic, convert or direct traffic or whatever email, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, SEO can kind of be a jack of all trades and kind of help out in multiple areas.
0: That's a brilliant insight because it helps us to serve users better, which is really the mission. You know, that's what marketing is. We're We're helping people at the end of the day discover solutions to their problems. Ray, big picture, kind of quick takeaway here. How would you estimate a paid search budget from net new? You're going from keyword research stage. How do you kind of provide an estimate to a new advertiser?
1: I I think you hit it on the head earlier, Ben, if you think of the end in mind. So if you think of CAC or if you don't have that information available, thinking of what are your goals from a revenue or conversion standpoint? And then backing that into the information that the search providers give you. So Google has tools like Keyword Planner, where you can get search volume, estimated CPCs. You can throw in things like conversion rates. And we'll make sure to have, again, all this on the, on the Profit Squad. But this information, you can kind of do some back of the napkin math to say, here's roughly the search volume that's going to come in. Here's how much you're going to pay for every click. And then at this conversion rate, here's what you can anticipate from a conversion volume standpoint math it out, and then you kind of get to this magic number to say, here's what budget can potentially look like if you get this volume. So you can kind of math that out to see if it makes sense from a conversion rate standpoint.
0: Right. So if you you do the keyword research, you determine the high intent keywords, you get some estimates on how many searches per month, uh, average cost per clicks, and then you can sort of guesstimate maybe, look at some averages. There's some articles out there um, on click-through rate, if you have data on your website's current conversion rate, fantastic. You've got a benchmark, use that. That will be eye-opening, I think, if you run through that exercise as to whether you can
1: reasonably expect to hit your CAC with paid search or not. And scaling that is a whole other issue. So if you're low on budget right now from a paid advertising standpoint and you want to 2, 3, 10x your budget, you're likely not going to hit the same KPIs that you are today. Most likely you might, but
2: probably yeah. not. It's going to take some work. So I actually have a question I want to pose to you, Ray. Uh, For someone who's trying to estimate a paid search budget, could you potentially use a tool like SimilarWeb or SEMrush to see what a competitor is doing? Um, Just see how much they're currently spending. Again, that's usually an estimate, right? But does that give you kind of a ballpark number?
1: I've used it in the past to get an idea of kind of like where are they playing from like a SERP standpoint but when it comes to like exactly how much are they spending in their ad accounts it is all estimates but contextually it does give you some information as to where are they playing like what terms are they bidding on things like that so you can get a sense but the real key thing is once you start running ads you get all this data to things called auction insights where you get more information but that's different topic for another episode probably
0: maybe that's week two after you launch
1: yes exactly so
0: guys i want to pivot to takeaways and zoom back out and kind of bring this home for the listeners, you know, big picture. So how do you budget for SEO and PPC uh, this year, any year? You know, one, I think it's a question of focus. So maybe you're handed a budget, maybe you have to figure out a budget for yourself, focus on the best customers, uh, the best products, the best channels. You have to kind of run this through the filter of what your organizational goal is. You know, do you have an, an efficiency directive, a cutting budget directive? Are you in growth mode? and you're willing to accept a smaller lifetime value to CAC ratio in the name of building your list of customers and building those relationships, okay, great. You need to take those into consideration. Once you've done that, you want to think about what can I sustain for the year? Uh, you want to think about what are the areas where I may be wasting my current investment that I could clean up and have some kind of initiative, some kind of audit or deep dive into these I think both channels. To do that, after you've eliminated waste, you want to be proactive. Blake, I think you gave some great guidance, kind of deciding the format of that relationship. I think the same is true for paid, right? It's like, hey, am I going to hire someone internally, DIY it, agency partnership, some other freelancer or something? You know, I think looking at your CAC and your budget will help you answer some of those questions. We gave some guidance on average expected budgets for these two areas. Uh, But I think once you've done all of that and you have kind of rough numbers for the year and then per month by channel, you might need to layer in some seasonality considerations depending on your business, your product. Once you've done all that, then you have to do a little bit more research, it seems to me. And you need to build that roadmap. You need to build that high intent targeting plan for your paid campaigns and then resource them. And honestly, like, Guys, in closing, would you agree or, or say like, think about like testing budget, slush fund, or kind of uh, performance triggers that would indicate it's time to pour more resources into a channel?
1: If you're limited by budget on paid search, pour more into, and you're hitting your KPIs. So yeah. kind of like the example that I gave before, if you're hitting your KPIs in platform and it's all real life, if all the measurement is accurate, pour more budget into paid search if it's working for you today.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and Blake, I think the same would be true in SEO, right? If you're mopping up uh, high intent user needs, then you're sort of in exploration mode. You want to find more user needs that you can fulfill and uh, and resource those too.
2: Yeah, I think there's uh, it's kind of about like the available market out there and what you can actually achieve and who you can actually reach. If you see competitors are out there. Um, in areas that you think you should be in, but you're not, um, yeah, maybe you should pour more money into it and try to get there, right? And ultimately, you need to find those user needs and those audiences that you can serve, you can answer their questions, and then you can build stronger relationships and drive more business. Awesome. Thank you so much
0: for listening. Your support means the world to us and allows us to help more people and grow the community. Please take a minute right now to subscribe and share this wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for The Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com. This will get you insider access, additional tools and swipe files, and help you elevate your marketing game to the next level.